Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Ross has never been so happy he had a class ring from Texas A&M. <laughs> How can you make a sermon out of a class ring? I don't know. But that was great. Thank you, Ross. What's the over-under that she goes? There she goes. Yay. You know, you didn't get to see this. She walks. She was walking out. She's very tentative. Oh, my gosh, I don't know if I ought to go. Brian, let me tell you what just happened. Lily was out there, and Lily waited for her, and she said, come on with me, reached out, grabbed her hand, and they took off. I'm going to tell you what. Y'all are raising a kid the right way. So thank you for that. Guys, I'm thankful that you're here this morning. We're going to be talking this morning about the fellow that we visited about last week, not Charlton Heston, but Moses. Uh, If you remember, and by the way, Charlton Heston was not that man's original name. He took his grandmother's maiden name, which was Charlton, and like Hollywood sometimes does, they melded names that would be standout enough to go ahead and be different from everybody else and also marketable enough. And so Charlton Heston was actually not his real name. And on his, on his wedding uh, license, he had a different name on there. Now, I, I share this with you because when we think of Moses, we think of that guy because of the Ten Commandments and because, because of the biblical movies and things like that. But guys, Moses was a far more complex character than that. You know the story. He is a guy that, that was born to a Jewish family at the time that Pharaoh had decided that there were too many slaves. Egypt had already assimilated not just the Jews, but also many other groups who were there who had come to Egypt. If you remember in, in the Bible stories, what ended up happening is there was tremendous plague of, 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 of just a, a terrific, terrific drought. And people were coming to Egypt because it was the only place that had food in the ancient Near East. And because they couldn't pay for it, they ended up having to indenture themselves, and that led eventually to slavery. And the, and the Jews were, were, were those people, and they came there in great numbers. And when they did, they stayed there as slaves. They went in and they, they stayed there as slaves and they began to go ahead. God blessed them. They began to reproduce. And as they did, Pharaoh finally said, you know, if we don't get rid of them, they're going to outnumber us. And so we will start by killing off all of the children, all of the little babies. And if you know the story, what ends up happening is Moses' mother makes a little reed basket and they put the baby in. And they, they kind of float him out into the Nile. And I've shared with you last week, the Nile River is, is not a clean place. It wasn't then, it's not now. And what ended up happening is he goes out. There are crocodiles there that regularly feed on anything that floats by. And Moses, in this little basket, floats over to where Pharaoh's daughter is, She sees it, and she immediately recognizes what happened. She said, this must be one of the little Jewish children, and I'm going to take this child, and I'm going to adopt it, 
and it will be raised in Pharaoh's court. And so that was the story of Moses, this kid that, that basically was, was trying to be protected by his family, but, but really didn't have a chance because of the circumstances and the politics of the day. He ends up growing up in Pharaoh's court. The Bible says in, <clears throat> in one story he ends up seeing one day an Egyptian mistreating a Jewish slave, beating him. And it so angers Moses that he ends up raising his hand, and the Bible uses this wonderful word in, in Hebrew where it says he struck him. Now, guys, if you're going to go ahead and strike something, you can strike a golf ball, you can strike a baseball or a softball, but the word strike here means that he raised his hand to him and hit him with such force it killed the man. And then immediately afterwards, because he had killed an Egyptian, Pharaoh ends up putting a bounty on him and puts a price on his head. And he has to flee the only home that he has really known and run away. The Bible says the next time we see Moses, he's on the backside of a desert. I don't know what the backside of a desert is, but it's got to be a long way from Navasota. And he's there, and when he gets there, he starts tending the flock of his father-in-law. And as he's tending this flock, all of a sudden he's walking along. You know, tending sheep, you tend to get bored, and he sees a bush burning. Now, anytime you see something burning, that's not a good thing. Because if you see a bush burning, that could mean that somebody is out there and they have a campfire and they might want to do sheep harm, and it's your responsibility to protect them. It could be a wildfire which will go ahead and consume the flock. So Moses has his attention over on the fire, and when he gets close enough to investigate what's happening to it, he sees a bush, and the bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. And Moses, who had been raised with a great education in Pharaoh's court, realizes something's up. And then all of a sudden, the bush talks to him. Again, I shared with you last week, I'll share with you this week. Anytime a burning bush talks to you, stop. It's interesting. And it was God speaking out of that burning bush. And God says, okay, Moses, and there's great, if, if you like the Gaithers, okay, there's this great, what was that guy's name? Stacy, Jesse Dixon, is that his name? Jesse Dixon does this great song, Moses, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. It is great. Look it up, YouTube. And he's told, take your shoes off this holy ground, and what, what I'm about to tell you is going to change your life. And God says basically this, I'm going to send you back to Egypt. Yeah, the place that they want to kill you. And you're going to be the instrument I use to go ahead and free my people. And Moses does what most of us would do if a burning bush was talking to us and we were barefoot. He makes excuses. I, there are better people for this. I can't talk. There's somebody that would that people won't believe me. Even if I am talking to them, Pharaoh's not going to believe me, and the Jews aren't going to believe me either. He gives all the excuses, and, and we studied last week that those excuses were, in fact, a dodge. Guys, when God talks to you about what he wants you to do in your life, it is always, always the case that our consent, our ability to say yes, is the very thing that God wants to hear. This morning we're going to be looking in the book of Numbers, 
chapter 20. I want you to turn there, but I want to ask you a couple of questions as you do. Numbers chapter 20. First of all, this is the story about Moses who makes his move. He makes his move towards God's plan. So I've got a couple of questions for you. These are actually questions that, like Ross, when he said, held up his class ring, I want you to hold up your hand while, when I ask you these questions. Here's the first question. How many of you believe that God is truly in charge of all things? Okay, well, we're Baptists. That's almost unanimous. Okay. All right, if you believe that, then you believe in what is called God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty is that part that means literally he has his way no matter what happens. And there's no event in this world that God is not involved in and that he has control of. There's nothing that happens without God's complete consent and control. All right, here's question two. How many of you believe in man's ability to choose? Okay. Now, if you believe in that, you believe in a thing called free will. Now, this is the part that, that many people kind of have a little struggle with. This means that you and I can choose to do God's will or even choose not to. I believe it is one of the greatest examples of God's love for you and me. He desires our yes, and he receives our no. Last question. Can both of these things operate at the same time in the same place at the same time? Free will of man and the sovereignty of God. God's in charge of all things, but we have a voice in it. Can those both happen at the same time? Well, let me share with you, there are a lot of Christ followers that would say no. You've got to have one or the other. God's completely in charge of everything, so it doesn't matter what you choose or those that would say God has his plan, but you and I can go ahead and alter, alter the direction of his plan by our own free will and our choice. Well, folks, let me share with you. This morning, this scripture follows Moses as he has an encounter with God's sovereignty and his own choice of free will. Now, folks, we're going to read Numbers chapter 20, verses 2 through 12. And, and the reason I had somebody ask me this that was, that was a guest at our church. He said, why are you all standing uh, when you read God's Word? Guys, there's a reason we do this. We stand to honor the reading of God's Word. It is holy, it is inspired, and is the perfect remedy for your life and mine. And so we do this to honor God as we read it together. So stand up. Let's honor God by the reading of His Word. This is Numbers chapter 20, verses 2 through following. Read with me. There was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. The people thus contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had perished when our brothers had perished before the Lord. Why then have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our beasts to die here? Why have you made us come up from Egypt to bring us into this wretched place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is it there water to drink. 
Then Moses and Aaron came in from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, The water of Meribah, take the rod, and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord and as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? And then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And the water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. For those of you that have kind of studied a little bit about the exodus that happened, I want to share with you this. We normally think of Moses as this guy who simply stands at the front, Charlton Heston style, and as he walks, kind of walks with the, with the staff like this and keeps advancing on all the way into the promised land. I want to share with you that it took Israel 40 years to go from Egypt to the promised land. Now guys, I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint. That is roughly the distance between College Station and Dallas. I don't care if you don't have ways. Most of us in here in 40 years could make it to Dallas. Sam, I'm betting on you. You could make it to Dallas in 40 years if you started now. All right? 40 years to go that short of a distance really means that there were a lot of encounters in the meantime. There were a lot of issues that happened. One of them being, God had put Moses in with a group of people that were awfully difficult. They were difficult folks. And an interesting thing happens. God becomes more and more directive with Moses. For he had called him by, by speaking to him the burning bush, and he said, you're going to lead my people. Now he begins to talk to Moses in great specificity. And he says, here's what's going to happen. And oh, by the way, this is what you're going to do. And he becomes specific in everything. Guys, let me share with you. God is serious when he speaks to you and me. God is serious when he speaks to us. This morning, I believe that God's Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. He will speak to you in a different way than he does to the person seated right next to you. God is both that personal and that much in charge of all things. He is sovereign. Because God's ultimate goal is to receive you into his heaven. When he speaks, he desires our absolute attention. And what he tells you to do should be done with an urgency and done exactly as he spells it out. 
Now, guys, listen to me. This is not Islam. This is not Inshallah. This is not if God wills it, it will happen. That's not what sovereignty is. Sovereignty means this. God knows right now what you are dealing with, what is happening in your life. Sovereignty means he knows what you're thinking at this moment. Sovereignty means he knows everywhere you've been and everything you have done. And he loves you anyway. That's sovereignty. He is in charge of all things. And guys, when we talk about the fact that he is serious about the things he speaks to us, it is because that goal is for you and me to come to be with him. When he spoke these words to Moses and Aaron, they heard it, and Moses and Aaron decided to improvise on God's plan. They decided to improvise. Think about, about Abraham. You remember Abraham, the guy we talked about a few weeks ago? God comes to Abraham and he says, you're going to have a son. You're going to have one that is going to make all of the stars in the sky not even come close to what I'm going to do with those that will bear your name throughout the ages. Look up at the stars. See if you can count them, Abraham. And I'm going to give you more children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and heirs than even those. And so what did Abraham and Sarah do? Abraham is 80 years old when he gets this. Now, all the kids are out right now, so I can actually talk with people about things I don't talk with about when they're here. 80's getting a little long in the tooth if you're going to be a daddy. Everybody understand? Say amen. Yep. At the same time, when Abraham hears that, he says, well, <clears throat> Lord, have you uh, <clears throat> taken a look at my wife? We're past the spring chicken stage. It's going to be awfully difficult for her to bear a child. And God says, no problem. I've got this sovereignty, folks. God has it. He has it in your life. And all of a sudden, Abraham and Sarah decide, we'll make this happen. God, go out for a cup of coffee while we handle this. Folks, listen. Never improvise on God's plan. If he says it's going to happen and he doesn't give you specifics of how, listen to me, wait for God. Wait for God. Don't go, try to get ahead of him. You see, Moses and Aaron tried to improvise on God's plan. Did you catch the plan that God shared with them? Moses had already talked, had already been told in Exodus 17:6 to strike a rock for Israel to get water. If you look back in your Bible at Exodus 17:6, you'll find out. God says, I want you to take this staff and I want you to walk up to the rock and strike it one time. You remember we talked about the word strike? Vigorously hard hit. Take it up there. Bam! The, wa the water came out of the rock. It ended up bringing both refreshment and grace to man and beast alike. This time, however, he says, I want you to go ahead instead and speak to the rock. Why? couple of reasons. He'd already done the strike the rock deal. 
And Moses had been obedient, and the water came. Why then did God say, speak to the rock? Here's, here's one thought. All of the people that had spoke to, Mo- to Moses, they gather in assembly, and it says they're turned against Moses and Aaron, and they say basically this. You brought us out of Egypt, and we would be better off back in Egypt where we had lots of water and were slaves than we are right here. Guys, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt that way about God? Have you ever felt the way of saying, you know, God, if I'm your child and, 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 and I'm having these problems down here, can't you go ahead and do something that's going to go ahead and help me? Are you listening, Lord? He hears every word that we speak and all of those that we don't. That's sovereignty. That's omniscience. When those people began to rise up against Moses, it cut him to the core. Why do, how do we know that? Well, he goes in and he falls on his face along with his brother Aaron in the tabernacle. That was the big tent assembly area. They're in the process of moving from Egypt to the promised land. And this is that time that they end up saying, hey, we're, we're done. Moses, we're out here starving and, and di- dying of thirst. You're just not a good leader. And he's frustrated, and he's bitter, and he's sad, and he's broken. And he goes before God and just collapses. And then God gives him the word. Here's what you're going to do, Moses. You're going to speak to the rock. Why? Because the last time, Moses, when you went out there in Exodus 17, and you battered up, and you hit a home run, and the water started coming out, everybody went, cool, Moses is great! But now they're going to know it isn't you, it's me. Speaking to something and calling forth water. If I were to do something like that, or you this morning, would people believe it was all you? Or would they believe it's the power of Almighty God behind you? Guys, that's what happened. God says, go ahead and speak to that rock. And what ends up happening next is a tragedy. Because Moses takes his staff and he strikes the rock, not once, but twice. Possibly because he'd already struck one time in Exodus 17. Twice because this is water that's needed. I'll just do it. I'm going to do what I want to do. By the way, that's called free will. A choice where you can do what God tells you to do or you can do what you want to do. And I hope you realize that the battle between God's plan and your free will oftentimes puts us counter to each other. And guys, there's only one that really rules and one that has to win. And it's not our free will. It is God's sovereignty. So what happens? In 1 Samuel 15.22, it says, God desires obedience before sacrifice. That verse says those exact words. God desires a heart that is burning and eager to do His will so that you can see the work of God and be a part of something that is greater than anything you have seen before. Obeying God isn't for sissies. It requires real faith and courage. You see, there's always a cost to deviating from God's plan. 
there's always a cost for deviating from God's plan. What's the cost for Moses? For Moses, and by the way, for Aaron, because he was part and parcel to what went on. This cost was not being able to lead the people of God into a promised land. It was to be the culmination of all of those years that Moses had worked with Israel. All the fussing and quarreling would be in the rearview mirror of his life. Instead, because Moses let his own choice get in front of God's plan, it cost him that blessing. Now guys, I asked you earlier, can these two things, God's sovereignty and free will, operate at the same time? I absolutely believe they can. And Moses' story here is an example of that. Was God going to get his people into the promised land? Yes or no? He said it, it's going to happen. Did God tell Moses, you're the guy that's going to lead them into the promised land? He did. So as he's leading them in there and they come to this rock, and instead of going ahead and speaking to the rock and the water coming out, he strikes it twice and he disobeys by his own desire and his own choice, his own free will, the one you and I have this morning. He violates what God told him to do. Guys, there's always a consequence for sin. Always. So what was the sin of Moses? disobedience to God's word. What happens to Israel? Well, they end up getting a, a problem. No, man. They get, into, they get into the promised land. But here's something that's interesting. Later on, when you read the scriptures, you'll find folks beginning to kind of question, you know, we saw Moses as he led us up into the promised land. Then he kind of just walked behind this hill and he's gone. He's out of here. Well, the Bible says that Moses died. He died. But he reappears later in the New Testament along with Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember the story. Jesus takes his favorite three disciples up there and they go up there with him. As they get up there, Peter, guy that opens his mouth and his brains fall out all the time, he goes ahead and he says, Hey, this is a great place, Lord. He said, I'm going to make us a little shack over here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. We'll just stay up here. This is great. And Jesus says, You know what? The real world that, I die, that I'm going to die for is down there. Don't build a tabernacle. Moses was leading his people with this big tent, the tabernacle, the place that God was present with his people this holy Shekinah hovering over. And he says to him, Moses, because you have done, done what I have told you not to do, because you've not obeyed what I ask you to do, here's the penalty and the cost. How many of you all in this room remember Mama or Daddy or Grandma or Granddad Bending a switch to you because you did something wrong? Do you remember? Okay, yes, Alice, I see that hand. This is like the Baptist preacher going ahead and, and, you know, the Billy Graham deal. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I remember my mom telling me that I had to go out and cut a switch. I had to cut my own switch. It's like, would you please braid your own hangman's noose, you know, that kind of thing? She said, you go out on a willow tree. There's nothing, by the way, worse than, boys and girls, listen, don't ever cut a switch on a willow tree, okay? Willow tree switch. 
And she said, because you didn't do what I asked you to do, and it was cleaning up my room, 13910 Birchlawn Avenue, Farmer's Branch, Texas, and the year was 1965, seven years old. I knew better. And she said, you go cut me a switch. And I, you know, I walk out there like a condemned man. And I cut the most brittle, nasty-looking little, little thing. I knew when she hit me with it the first time, it was going to shatter. And I would squeal and yell. By the way, that didn't work out for me. That's a different story for a different day. There's a cost for disobedience. And for Moses and Aaron, the cost is you don't get to... Re- Listen, we think of it as you don't get to go ahead and receive the glory by leading God's people in. That wasn't it. You don't get the blessing. You don't get the blessing if we, do, if we decide to choose our free will over God's sovereignty. What is His sovereignty for you and me this morning? Listen to me. Please don't miss this. His sovereignty for you is, number one, that you would know how much He loves you. That you would know that God loves you. He's not mad at you. He hates your sin. But He's already provided for that in that Jesus Christ paid for your sin 2,000 years ago by dying on a cross. So guys, listen to me. You now have a free will choice to say, I choose to believe what God did. His plan. His sovereignty. I choose to believe that. That's how sovereignty and free will line up together. And even in the midst of disobedience, God's sovereignty still points directly into the future. His sovereignty this morning is that He wants you to be with Him in heaven. And the only way that is provided for you and me, according to the Bible, the only way that Scripture tells us that we can have peace with God is through His Son, Jesus. And it's not by walking an aisle in a Baptist church and getting baptized. It is not by joining and putting your name on a roll. It is instead by allowing God to take hold of you and become boss of your life. He has sovereignty in you. The cost for Moses and Aaron, they didn't get to to fully reveal and see God's blessing. You see, Moses let emotion rule rather than God being sovereign in his life. Anger had ruled Moses from an early age. He had killed an Egyptian out of anger, and it caused him to be tossed from Pharaoh's court and flee for his life. Here Moses had faced an ungrateful people and folks that actually said they would rather return to slavery instead of faith. Moses reacts by chewing them out and then striking the rock twice. God brought forth water. That's His sovereign plan. He was going to provide for His people. God brought forth water and His plan proceeded with or without Moses' consent or participation. God can and will do the same thing in your life and mine without or with our consent. But the real desire of God is that we take part in His plan to share in the blessing of receiving His promises and eventually to getting to that promised land. You see, God's plan works. God's plan works with or without Moses. Israel gets to the promised land. It's led by a fellow by the name of Joshua. Moses gets to see it. 
but not arrive in it. And God's sovereign plan for you is to reach the promised land that he has for us called heaven. And God's the way that happens is your free will this morning aligning with his sovereignty so that they operate at the same place and at the same time. Now, why am I getting so deep in theology here this morning about sovereignty and free will in a time when we're talking about Moses or Charlton Heston? Because, folks, this very thing that Moses faced is the very issue that you and I battle, listen to me, daily. Daily. The battle of our free will and a sovereign God. What does God want you to do today? What is it that He has planned for you? For Pastor Clyde to sit from here all the way over to Randy and try to guess? I can't do it. But a sovereign God knows what you brought in with you here this morning. A sovereign God knows exactly what He wants to do with your life. The sovereignty of God and the love of Almighty God is asking for your free will to align with Him. Guys, listen to me, because He's good. He's good. And He has goodness and a blessing for your life if you receive him today. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for the life of a man named Moses who is so much like so many of us in this room. Someone who struggled with a call, battled with saying yes, and when he finally did, still made mistakes. Father, I am glad that you're the God that is greater than any mistake that I have ever made. And this morning you are here waiting anxiously for our free will to say yes to your holiness and sovereignty. I pray, Father, that answer right now in this time of commitment is yes. I believe there are folks here that would say, I want Jesus and his forgiveness to be applied to my life. And I choose that this morning. I believe that there are some here that would say, this is the time where I plug myself into a family of faith. And if this is that time, Father, and this is your time in their life, I pray that their answer will be yes. And God, I know that there will be also the enemy of yours that is trying to say, wait, don't do it. It's just one more church service. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit will shut his lying mouth and we will, we will be obedient to you. This is that great time of battle, Lord. May you be crowned victorious by our consent to the battle that you have already won. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Stand together, church. We're going to sing two verses of this song. God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made. During this song, I'll be here at our altar. You come as God leads.